Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Football Tactics podcast. I'm your host Neil Shalat, and as always, I'm delighted to say I have been joined by Alex Balker. How are you, Alex? I feel like you don't know who you're going to ask first until you say the name. Like your bar- your mouth <laughs> works faster than your brain. Uh, I am good because we're talking about a really fun, sexy team today. Yes, yes, a, a very, very um, exciting topic for you. I have to say, uh, one that you suggested, in fact. So. Yeah, it should be fun. And Varun, how are you doing? Ready to fight Alex? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised that Alex goes first on this one. This sounds like, uh, you know, his home game. And we sound yeah. like the away crowd. So, yeah, let's get on. It's going to be fun, for sure. Absolutely. Right. Then, usually I'm the one introducing these topics. But for this one, I'm going to hand it over to Alex to tell us what we're talking about. Because, as I said... This is one of the topics he suggested. And in fact, we did allude to this uh, uh, in one of our earlier episodes when we were discussing the the two Milan clubs. So, Alex, why don't you tell us what we'll be talking about today? Uh, we're going to be talking about one of Europe's best upcoming teams. Um, they're, they're a real bunch of youngsters. Um, they play Juego de Posición, ultra-pressing, loads of stuff. We're talking about Max Allegri's Juventus. Uh, now, am I just rolling into the section? Alex explains himself. Yes, our first section is titled "Alex explains himself" because, as I said uh, in that previous episode about the two Milan clubs, Alex made a bold prediction. Let's put it that way: that Juventus would win Serie A this season. So we'll yes. we'll get into predictions later, but just explain yourself with regard to Juventus. Okay, yeah, I, I will, with, with the jokes aside, because because obviously they're not a particularly fun team to watch, but there's a few points where I feel like they get... So I think there's a difference between being good to watch and being good. And I think Juventus are good, but because they're not good to watch, they get panned. And and it also that comes back to their fans, who obviously don't like to watch them play terribly, um, no matter if they win. So when they do lose, it's like, oh my God, Max Allegri is horrific, and he shouldn't be in football. If he should, he should be managing in Saudi Arabia. However, uh, he is one of quietly the most successful managers of all time. I think he gets severely disrespected. Uh, he won the, he won Serie A both at Milan and at Juventus. He won it five times in a row. Uh, he got to two Champions League finals ever since he's left. That's looked like a, an insane thing to happen at Juventus. So they can't even get past the group stage. It seems anymore. Um, and as soon as he left uh, Juventus, I know there's so many other things that are going on, but I think it's telling that things have completely fallen apart since his departure in 2019. Now, he returned in 2021, I want to say, uh, and, you know, I'll admit he was a bit bad um, at first. <laughs> I, I, I won't defend that so if much. If by a bit you mean a lot, then yes. <laughs> Oh, okay, no, I'm not going to say a lot bad. He had like one of Juventus's worst starts ever. But in that season and last season in particular, he turned it around very quickly. I think he mentioned about trying to play the same football um, he did with the players he had uh, in his first in between 2014-2019. Um, I remember some Juventus players saying that, uh, I think Chiellini being one of them. And they're, they're, this is like the 21-22 season. And then over a period of months, I'm realising that they can't play the same football they used to, which, I mean, it wasn't awe-inspiring, but it was a bit more bold and brave than what they do now, which is in a, a back three slash back five. And it's like it's like West Ham on steroids, uh, which isn't what you want to see from your top team. But we're going to talk about some, in my explaining myself thing, about why I think they are good. And also not just good as in a, like a charity way, but also good to be taken seriously. He has adapted. He's promoted youth in um, Fagioli, who's definitely not got anything going wrong off the field. Uh, Fabio Moretti as well. Uh, Samuel Eiling Jr., who are all at the club at the moment. There's there's more players I could talk about. And the reason I haven't is because I think they're out on loan. It's a little up in the air if they'll come back. Um, so I don't want to say he's done a good job with Matthias Sula, for example, which he did okay last season. Now he's on loan this season, performing well. Because if he leaves, then it looks not as good on Allegri. Uh, Enzo Baranachea uh, got given a chance too. Again, this is something that goes back to beyond Allegri. Juventus, I don't know if you guys know, uh, I think it was 2018, I want to say, 
when Italy missed out on the World Cup, um, it, Juvent- uh, Serie A got given the chance uh, to create B teams and like play their youth players in a professional division. And every Serie A club turned it down except Juventus. They created Juventus Next Gen. And a lot of the players I've spoken about, like Arling Jr., like Fagioli, even players who don't play for the club anymore, like Stefan Mavadidi, they came through Next Gen. Um, so it's been very successful, but Allegri has definitely bridged that gap that you have to give him his props. And Fagioli, who's definitely not got anything controversial off the pitch, playing very well. Arling Jr., I think it's fantastic. I think everyone will agree to that. Clearly done well under Allegri. Uh, when you've not got the sexy players, I think it's also worth saying, uh, Allegri gets the best out of the ugly ones. I think Adrian Rabiot is one of the most disrespected footballers around. And that is because of two things. One, his mother. Uh, that's not an insult to her, by the way. It's just more the fact that I think he would say himself. His mother's got a bad reputation of being a, a, an agent who's not fun to deal with. Um, also, <laughs> that's the best That's the best explanation I've ever heard. <laughs> his mother... <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, but the, the other reason that he gets disrespected is that when he came through at PSG, he was like rated so, 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 so highly as this technical midfielder. And he has basically turned, been turned into Thomas Suchek. But there's nothing wrong with being Thomas Suchek if you contribute to 12 goals like he did last season and you're a big threat in the opposition box. And Allegri uses him well. He doesn't overload him with possession. He lets him play this sort of free role, get forward, and damage opposition teams. And we'll talk more about players later, but I think Rabio is the shining example of how Allegri can be very pragmatic with his team and build it around getting the best out of them. He's like he's like he's like the he's like the the attack no, not the Italian, the the worse, the reverse uh, Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, and there's some final points before these two kind of set the walls on me. Uh last season, uh yes, whatever they didn't finish in Europe, but they were actually second with 34 games played on uh, 66 points. Um, but then their up-in-year points deduction got guaranteed and basically all motivation went out of the camp. Uh, so in summary for me um, and for the setup for this episode, my pitch is that Juventus are not that bad. They've just got an insanely horrible reputation. And Allegri is still a coach who can get good results. You just don't know how he got them. Uh, I will throw it to Varon first uh, about hopefully backing me up, but probably most likely trying to shut me down. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very passionate speech. I think we've all had one one shot at a speech, and that was a good one. And to be honest, I don't disagree on a lot of things. I mean, no lies there. But I do want to turn it back to some simple facts uh, on last season. Um, I'm just going to go through a few underlying numbers of Juventus last season. Um, I, I first thought we'll play a guessing game like we usually do, but there are too many stats and it'll take a while. So I'll just go on with it. They were 6th for XG in Syria. They were 8th for XGA in Syria. Um, short distance, 6th. That is, they, they were taking shots 6th um, farthest from goal. Passes into the final third, 7th. Short creating actions, 6th. Carries into the final third, 8th. So, and then this something which is probably very important for a top team. Possession percentage. This I would li- uh, actually like you guys to guess. Guess where you went as well for possession in Syria last year. Uh, 45. Nah, that's too low. 48. Do you mean, do you mean, wait, hang on, do you mean by oh, right. percentage number or do you mean rank in Syria? Rank, let's go with rank. Oh, sorry, okay. Uh, I reckon they ranked 11th. Hmm, I was going to say 11th, but now I'll say 13th. So you both had a very good idea, it's exactly 11th. And mm. so, I mean, that? for most of the attacking underlines, they're 6th, 7th, 8th. For possession, they're 11th. Uh, there are a few more stats. Uh, hold on, hold on. Let's yeah, let's let's get it in now. Why don't we? Uh, let's talk about field tilt quickly as well. Uh, so quick explanation: uh, field tilt is generally regarded as a superior version of possession because possession is simply measuring how much of the ball you have, but you can have the ball around the back and do absolutely nothing with it, and your possession numbers keep ticking up. But it doesn't really mean anything. So instead, what field tilt measures is sort of uh, it's a more territorial metric 
where it generally measures uh, how much of the ball you have in the final third compared to how much of your opponents have in your third. Now, in this metric, Juventus last season, let's guess as well. Do, do you guys want to... I, I, I'm afraid I don't have the league rank, but I do have the raw number. Do you want to guess Juventus' I, I know the league rank and the numbers. So I okay, so I, I will guess on the condition that after you finish and Baron finishes, I get to clap back at both of these points. Uh, so I will guess they ranked 14th. Yeah, but I don't have the league rank, Alex. That's what he, I said. He's yeah. right. No, um, Alex is right. They're exactly 14th for field. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, Boom. But do you want to Alex knows his Juventus. <laughs> no one can doubt his preparation. So you have to give him that. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair play, Alex. Uh, right, I'll give you the number. It's 46%. Uh, that's generally, in general terms, that's low, a lower table team would have below 50% field tilt, generally speaking. Of course, it's got stylistic implications, which I think is what Alex wants to discuss. Am I right, Alex? Yes, but I, I don't want to discuss it before Varun gets to finish and any other uh, points he made no. about the underlying numbers. No, you can go on. Okay, so I think you guys have laid out a very good argument, very good points there, the fact that Juventus ranking low in lots of things like shot creation, action, shot distance, and against them as well. Teams have a higher, have a higher field tilt. They're spending more time in Juventus' defensive third. Uh, they're getting more shots off, more expected goals off. But I'm here to tell you, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Uh, first, we'll touch on, yes, Juventus may have uh, may have had a high XG uh, against, but that's only total. And that's because Juventus, as Neil has just said with field tilt, they are sitting back and inviting teams to cross. Now, Juventus don't care about crosses because they've got uh, Bremer, Gatti and Danilo at the back. Who cares about chances? You're most likely going to clear them and if not, you're able to block it, which is perfectly shown by the fact that Juventus had the lowest joint uh, non-penalty expected goals against per shot last season, which shows that the average quality of chance they faced was actually one of the lowest in Serie A. And that would show why their XG against was so high because if you have loads of little um, XG, uh, let's just dumb this down for the audience so I don't say XG a million times. If you have loads of little low quality shots adding up, it looks like they got pummeled. But in reality, who cares if you're going to get one big chance? And I think that's the way Juventus want to play. I think the flaw here is that we are judging them. Uh, we are judging them as if they are a Barcelona or whatever because just because they're Juventus, they should be top of the league. Allegri is playing in a very different way. I'll give him that. Is it a bit terroristy? Yes, it is. Uh, however, it gets the results and you cannot deny that. And I think judging them through the paradigm of expected goals and with the idea that they should be ranking high in possession, they should be ranking high in field till, they should be limiting the amount of chances the opposition gets at them. While it may feel alien, I don't think we should be judging Juventus in that way. I think that's a flawed uh, argument. Does anyone want to hit back at that? I, immediately I actually, <laughs> no, no, no. I actually want to say, I think your argument is very good. Uh, the data suggests that they allow their opponents to take a lot of shots, but they take those shots from distance. The opponents uh, have taken the shots from the third most distance in Syria last year. And very low quality shots. Again, they're in the bottom five for facing uh, high quality shots. So, um, it's as you said. I mean, they don't rank high on field till they don't, don't rank high on position because that is their they're very confident in their ability to sit a little deeper in a mid block allow their opponents these shots knowing that it won't lead to high quality chances so obviously me the stats me and neil through are um, are more uh, indicative of play style than a team actually being good or bad so i'll definitely give that juventus the, the only problem becomes, I don't think uh, they're a terrible team. Like, even though their underlings are 6th, 7th, 8th, 10th, 11th, they're not, you know, performance-wise 6th, 7th, 8th, 11th. So, we understand that. I just think those arguments are for the difference between coming first and going for a treble, going for a Champions League. I mean, that is what Juventus fans want. That is what classic historical Juventus is known for. So I think the arguments are, you know, will that just limit their cap in terms of the chances they create, the control they have over a game, you know, um, 
will it limit them from coming first in Serie A and actually challenging for the Champions League title? Because them getting third and fourth with these underlines are probably not what Juventus want. So even in our last episode, the Milan-Inter episode, Milan and Inter do have a really good chance. We we all we all uh, agreed to that. So I mean, if Juventus are coming third behind Milan and Inter, I'm not sure that is that is the greatest news in the world. So I mean, I think that's the angle. But yeah, the playstyle difference and Juventus making this work is is a fair point to be honest. Before Neil jumps in, I would like to mention as well. This is. I think it's a fair point to compare to Milan and Inter, but I think you do have to put it in the background of Inter Milan while they're under big financial constraints because of their owner, like their sporting director, their their recruitment is spot on. Like the way they've rebuilt this summer, as we touched on, really strong. Milan, yes, they sacked Palomadini recently, so they've been plunged a little more into chaos. But previous few years, they've been nothing but well structured and well run. Juventus, like. They <laughs> didn't have a ball for most of the last season, I'm pretty certain. Uh, and, and just utter chaos. And have no money. Uh, so I think comparing them to Inter and Milan, I mean, well, fair because they're all three big clubs. Like, we need we need to remember, like, I, I think Juventus fans, while they might want to challenge for a Champions League, I think the, the reasonable ones would understand that it's so far away that... Like it's just it's not possible at the moment. I think they'd be happy to get Champions League football. To I mean, add to your point, happy. to add to your point, last summer Juventus had to make a profit on transfers. They sold for 112 million and bought for 108 million. So they they had to send uh, sell Mathis Delight for 67, Demiral, uh, you know Mandragora, one of their youth prospects. So your point is right. I mean. Financially, it has been a little tough and they've just had to, they have made a lot of somehow make do with these players kind of transfers. They've not really made this guy is going to like the world, you know, kind of transfers. So that that is a fair point. Go on, Neil, after you. Finally, no, no, actually, I was going to say something else way before, but then you guys said a lot of stuff and I realized my points probably best if we save it for the end. So I'll save that. But to add to your points. Uh, if you guys haven't looked this up, do you want to guess how many signings Juventus made this summer? Five. Are we talking like by transfer, but including or including freeze? Yeah, yeah. Any new players to their squad? So a loan which had uh, an obligation to buy doesn't count. Okay. How many new squad members did Juventus get? Or then nine. maybe two. I'm okay. going to reduce it to Wait, two Alex. Because... Did you say nine? Yeah, I just feel like even though it probably is a low number, you never know. They just sound like a bunch of players that haven't played yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, well, I cut you off there. No, I was going to say then it's two. I think it's five, but three or four are just the loan to transfer converts. I think one or two completely new. That's my guess. Right. Uh, so you, you're uh, absolutely spot. Well, you're not even spot on. It's actually. Uh, I need to check this, but uh, I think it's actually one. Uh, I didn't do my research on this one, but I think it's one. I, I'll, I'll run you through who they signed. So, uh, according to Transfer Markt, these are their signings. Moise Ken from Everton, 30 million. That was a loan with obligation to buy. Manuel Locatelli, uh, Sassuolo, 30 million. Loan with obligation to buy. Uh, Timothy Weah from Lille, uh, who I think went back, if I'm not wrong. Uh, or, or rather, sorry, uh, was on loan. Um, no, 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 that's, where that's is where? Yeah, that's sorry. actual signing. Yeah, that's that's the real signing. Uh, Arkadius Milik was on loan last season, uh, so it doesn't count. And Facundo Gonzalez uh, was also... No, he's a real signing. He has been sent on <laughs> loan. Yeah, this is a terrible section for me. Sorry. Is he a real but, player? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they signed up for like 2 million from Valencia and loaned them off to Sampdoria. So... Yeah, like that's a... So, a, two so real a signings and three loan converts. Yeah, and that's two real signings. Uh, and one of them is a kid for like two million. So, not really a part of the squad. So, really, they've only had one addition to their squad this season. Uh, and they've lost uh, a fair few, right? Uh, Kulusevsky was obviously gone before, but uh, he's out now for good. Zakaria, uh, Arthur, Angel Di Maria, Juan Cuadrado, Bonucci... So they've had a fair few sort of departures and they've only been able to offset that with one real signing. So, yeah. 
they, uh, I think... they've also just got like even just mentioning some of those players and like I've got now I've now got like all transfers in front of me on transfer mode and like, it's worth just throwing even more of the absolutely like well mental and some and some really sad stories just going on at Juventus that again like will distract from that like, you can read into the points of action in your own time this isn't the podcast for that but like that that was just completely destabilized their entire season and the entire club structure as a whole like Andrea Agnelli had to go away, which in fairness was probably a good thing for football. Um, but like you've got the other players in there, like Mohamed Hatteran signed as like a really young, high potential player and has let, has had severe off, off the field issues with like gangsters from his home and like immediately went AWOL. He was released l- 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 this summer. Then you've got Benucci who's suing the club as well like it just feels like there's so many little things going on in the event on top of the very big ones as well like it, it just sends credence to the fact that i think like what agnelli is oh, agnelli for goodness sake what uh allegri is doing like in the circumstances he's got it should be made even more than even more impressive yep i think that's fair enough i don't think we can argue about that but okay guys enough about that this is after all the tactics podcast so maybe we should consider talking about tactics as well uh, for a change. Uh, Varun, why don't you take us through some some tactical maybe questions that you have of Allegri? Because I think Alex has already sort of outlined what he likes. So uh, any any maybe points to contend? Yeah. So let's just do this in two sections. We'll first do the out of possession stuff, and then the in possession stuff. Uh, yay, football's come along. We're out of possession first. So, um, yeah, John I mean, McKenzie's cheering somewhere right now. <laughs> John McKenzie will be happy. Um, yeah, because the first thing I'm going to talk about is their pressing. He's going to be super happy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, their pressing system is a little odd. I mean, I've seen a few games of theirs last year. I saw a few games this year. I caught the Torino game, the, uh, the recent one. I think yesterday or day before. And I I do find their pressing really odd. And it's kind of like stuck between a top team pressing system and a bottom team pressing system. So they, they have a weird hybrid thing going on. They don't press super high. They don't really, they're not bearing down on the opposition goalkeeper. So, I mean, we've already covered that in the stance. The opponents do have some fielded. Actually, another really fun stat that we missed out and that is related here is the opposition build-up percentage. So, this is something Mark Stats uh, calculates. Um, really good account, by the way. You guys should follow him. And this basically measures how much the opposition is able to keep the ball in their build-up phase, in their first phase, right? And if the opponent is able to keep the ball more, it means your pressing in terms of disrupting their first phase build-up is not great. Or you're allowing them to build it up um, on a tactical notice. You, you don't care that much. So last year, Juventus were second last for opposition build-up percentage. They gave the opponent 84% uh, op- opposition build-up percentage. There was only one more club that was uh, worse on this metric. So the best clubs on this metric were Fiorentina, AC Milan, who only gave the opposition 75%, 74%. So it's very clear that Juventus don't care about that very high press, which stops the opponent in the first phase. That first pass, the goalkeeper to centre-back pass, Juventus are like, take it. You know, pass between your goalkeeper and centre-back. Those first two, three passes, do it as much as you want. Where they really set up their press is a little after that. So it's basically like a 5-3-2. That's often what Allegri has gone for. I mean, it keeps chopping and changing. Allegri has changed his formation lots. But largely speaking, that's how it is. And in the press, they have the front two. It's either usually two strikers or it's a striker and a winger joining in. So like last year, it was Vlahovic joined with Angel Di Maria. Uh, Since Di Maria has gone, now one of the midfielders joins in. uh, Or it's the two strikers itself. Um, and there are two strikers that are there and just behind them, there are three midfielders. So they form this two, three kind of mid block, which is very narrow. So they want to block all the central passing lanes that the opposition center back to their pivot passes. They want to avoid that. 
So in their setup itself, one, they are allowing you to have the first pass, the goalkeeper to the center back first pass. Second, they are allowing you to have the wide pass. They actually let you go to the full back and build up wide because then what they do is once the opposition is comes a little deeper into the middle third, they'll then go wide and jump on them. That is that is the plan. So it's it it works well to a large extent. And I actually think against a lot of weaker teams, it works quite well. But then when you start facing some good teams who actually have the technical quality to find better passes or to switch quickly to the other flank, then this block gets manipulated very easily. So Roma last year was one example. Um, they set up in this 2-3 and Roma are finding it very difficult because they had three centre-backs. They were also playing a very similar formation, a 5-3-2 or a 5-4-1. And the three centre-backs would just keep passing the ball between themselves, go to a wing-back. The 3-2 Juventus uh, block would shift to that side. Then Roma would go to the other side, they would shift. So they had a lot of time to keep shifting and keep blocking Roma's back five and not let Roma's midfield three get the ball. How Roma eventually broke that down is they started pushing their right centre-back, who was Mancini, into midfield. And they overloaded the right flank. And each time they would switch, they would have um, an extra man in midfield because Mancini was pushed up almost like a right centre midfielder. And then one Juventus midfielder, usually it was Rabia. Rabia was the left centre midfielder, wouldn't be able to cover uh, across very quickly once the ball switches. And then Mancini had that free run to go into uh, Juventus half and get a shot at the back five. And this happened multiple times. So teams are able to manipulate that that block a little easily. They just put in an extra person in a wide area, either an extra midfielder or one of the strikers drops and helps on that wing and they're able, they're able to go through. Eventually in that match, uh, Roma won 2-0 and Mancini scored the goal. It was very similar. They manipulated it a few times. And Mancini got into the right half space and scored a, a really nice goal before Rabio and Locatelli could uh, come and press press him. So the, the really passive block that allows those kind of entries is an issue, especially against top teams who have that whose players have that carrying and passing ability to get get those uh, occasions. So I think that's largely my summary on their pressing system. I think it's fine. It's not a high press. It's too passive. It is easily manipulated uh, by good teams, especially. I think they can get away against most of the bottom half. But it, it, the top six, seven teams is where I think they struggle a lot. So, what do you guys think? Let's go to yeah, Neil first. I think you uh, summed it up pretty well. Uh, I, I mean, so you you laid out what they're doing pretty well. But I think you know, ultimately, what Alex's point would be is that. Yeah, they they don't press because they don't care. They don't want to. They're as he said, they're gonna defend their box uh, and they do that really well. So it doesn't matter. So it doesn't even matter so much that they have a passive block, uh, because as long as they can defend their box with it, uh, and of course it can be manipulated sometimes. But you know, even when you press, you have the risk of being played through. So it's always you're always gonna have some trade-off somewhere. But ultimately, like what they're doing seems to work perfectly well for what they want to do which is defend their box really well. Um, so yeah, I think, let me quickly just tease what the point I was going to make, which I saved for the end, which is that I think ultimately, one's opinion assessment analysis of Juventus will boil down to, uh, like, I, I hate to use the word, but like sort of a philosophical um, preference in terms of how they think football should be played. And I will elaborate on this at the end because we have more to discuss. Uh, so, Alex, unless you have something more to add about their out-of-possession stuff, uh, let us go on to their in-possession stuff. Well, I would add, to help you go into the in-possession stuff, uh, on top of what you guys have said, I think sitting back in a passive block, by law and opposition teams forward, no matter who they are, opens up the space to attack their defence. And when you've got Federico Chiesa in your team, in possession... I think that makes it even more lethal. I don't know if Aaron will agree or not. Let's see. Hand up immediately. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I actually agree with Alex. And that's where it comes down to the way Allegri wants to play. I mean, as we know, I mean, you can't measure defense and attack separately. They're not like two separate entities. It's a cycle, right? You defend uh, in a block, then you transition 
and then you have a res defense structure and then you defend again so it's a cycle and i think juventus cycle is i don't mind being in that mid block i don't mind allowing that first phase first phase passage and then when that same the same example i gave mancini coming forward then when juventus get the ball they can hit that space that center back or that full back who was forced to come into midfield or that midfielder who was forced to go wide has now given that space through which your kiesas your blavovich even they have they have good carriers and they are good players for transition football even players like mckenny meretti they're good at finding those pockets and then turning and running into them and or playing a good pass into them uh, even last year quadrado and di maria were so so good on uh, on the counter so i think that's where it comes to how they want to play again a limitation here now we'll just shift to their in possession stuff is they still need to build up they still need to progress especially when the opponent themselves have a mid block and lot of serie a teams have that and i think they do struggle a bit they struggle to beat a very good press um the torino match actually was a good example they eventually won uh, juventus won that game but they there was a point especially in the first 20 25 minutes when they were struggling a lot to build up and eventually the solution they found was locatelli drops way way deep um in between the center backs and the center backs split and danilo went into the pivot and then look and this happens a lot by the way and we'll come to the locatelli point later but he often drops to try and become the free man and then they try to beat the press through his long range passing they utilize his really good passing range to go direct to a wing back on the flank usually they'll pass a bit on one side suppose on the right side the right center back the right eight usually fagioli or miretti they also drop locatelli also drops as deep as the first line and they do a bit of passing on the right side because the right back comes narrow and then suddenly usually locatelli he'll switch to the opposite left wing back flank and then they run and the two strikers get in and they try to make it a 3v3 3v4 uh situation so a lot of their their defensive structure and their build up is oriented to generating that transition uh in the space left by the opponent they are very very focused on that uh which is why often when that does not happen they do look a, a little clueless if the opponent is able to block those passing lanes well then what often happens is juventus simply become um a team that is throwing it to the wing back and trying to make the wing back cross so which is what leads to lot of the frustrations fans feel and when there is a loss uh, as alex was saying earlier they start going allegri is horrible he's clueless you know sack allegri is because those losses the nature of those losses are very frustrating because when juventus are out of ideas they go into this really really terrible to watch mishmash where after some passive passing they switch to a wing back and the wing back tries to dribble and cross and it looks like you know some failed 90s football kind of gimmick and you know you just the fans are groaning in the stadium and people are getting frustrated on social media and i do think that that is one tactical gap they have so uh, both of you have your hands up and i'm not surprised let's go with alex first uh sorry let me interrupt i got some stats i don't care you wait your turn no you wait your turn now listen i i've got some sort of quick bits of data to back varun up on some of his points so let's quickly get through those and then we'll get uh, your thoughts alex is that fine uh, i'm taking that as a fine thank you alex uh anyway so here are some stats so uh, as we discussed um they were six on non penalty expected goals per 90 last season do you guys want to guess uh no okay let's uh, no <laughs> do, do you guys want to, to play your guessing games anymore <laughs> <laughs> do you guys want Go to guess on. So, so the total NPXG per ninety figure is one point nine, uh, three nine. Do you want to guess uh, how much of that comes from set pieces? Um, was it one point three nine? Yeah. Um, from set pieces, it's difficult because every data provider is a little different if it counts second balls or not. I'll go zero point five two. Varun. Varun, does it guess? Okay, there he is. Point four, maybe. Okay, you guys are very close. Zero point four five, according to Soccer Mind, a good point, Alex on the providers. Uh, so that's the best in the league. Uh, 
So that's one thing. They're very good at set pieces, which is very handy to score goals. Uh, they're sixth in the league in terms of uh, XG from counters per 90 last season, which is obviously not the best. But remember, for like a, a, a top club, you generally find them among the lower half teams for counter-attacking because obviously they want to attack with you know more build-ups and stuff. So for like one of the top contenders, six is very good in that respect as well. 0.11 XG per 90 from counters last season. So all that is to say, um, they as Varun said, they don't really create much from build-up. In fact, uh, they had a 47 goalkeeper long ball percentage last season, which is 14th in the league. So, you know, as Varun said, they're, they're not too fast about playing through presses and building up through the thirds. They are very happy to go long and play a pretty transitional game. Uh, and uh, quickly to also get some stats on pressing uh they had uh, and and defense rather so they had the fifth uh, best npxg uh conceded per league last season uh best that is lowest shot quality conceded which is great and they were uh among the worst teams in terms of pressing intensity but as we discussed uh, that does not uh matter so much in in in, in the, the way they play so those are some stats which i think basically illust or rather back up what Warren said. Uh, now feel free to take it away, Alex. Uh, I would say that I, I think not only is it indicative of style, I think this is also indicative of Allegri being pragmatic and adapting when I think he should. So we are talking about how he will go long. And I will say as well in my own notes um, from the from the two full Juventus games I've watched this season and written down about, uh, but Udinese and the Atalanta. Um, my out of possession for Udinese was press is not there. Udinese just walk through them. Still a lack of intensity out of possession. Fire back zonal press. And th- this was Alex forgetting what Juventus is like because versus Atalanta, I just wrote down, yes, yeah, same as usual. Um, so it's what I had to expect. And then their in possession stuff uh, as well. I've, I've put out two key things that I really want to hammer home is that they do try to play out from the back, but they will go long if they need to. And I think, whereas other teams, whereas Manchester United, we might judge them for going long by saying, oh, they can't go out, they want to go long, they, they want to play short, but they've been forced to go long and they're losing possession. I think Juventus are happier to go long, partly because some of their players suit it, for like a Milik for winning those first balls, uh, Rabiot's um, winning I, the second I just, balls. Just one line I'd argue, even... United, especially this season, are pretty. He has uh, to bring going. United in. I I didn't. Okay, I <laughs> yeah, but I, you're defending them. No one cares. I'm not defend. I'm not defending United at all. I'm actually I saying. Mean, yeah, sorry. The other way. I'm, yeah. I'm actually saying what Allegri is doing with Juventus. What Alex is, uh, you know, saying that Allegri is doing this on purpose. I actually think even United are doing that a lot more on purpose. It's less forced. And even with Juventus, it's less forced. Both teams are kind of relying on a more direct approach because they think they have the transitional and whatever long ball elements uh, to pull it off. So, sorry, Alex. I mean, you were right. Uh, Please keep uh, I would also, my main point would be that I don't think Juventus have the facilities to play off in the back. I think in a goalkeeper like Chesney, who's not particularly good under pressure, uh, like a Rabio, who is best utilised as you know, a thug rather than a playmaker. Even the Gatti and Regani, who Regani's had quite a nice resurgence as well. These are players who uh, they have a point, uh, a limit to how well they can handle pressure. And like when you're missing players like Paul Pogba as well, who's another issue we've not even spoken about today. Another fun one to throw on the burning pile of rubbish at Juventus. That like, I think this is also showing of. I think it's right to adapt. I think if you put a manager in like a deserve Juventus. Is it institute your philosophy? You know, no matter what, we're going to play lovely football. I think Juventus would fly down the table. Um, so I just wanted to make that point as well on Max Allegri's behalf, my daddy. Yeah, and just to quickly add to the last thing you said about the imposing philosophy, I think Pirlo is a good example of uh, recent, yeah, basically last example of how that can go wrong in sorry, this sort of a mess. Yeah, and uh, and sorry. Um, anyway. Uh, let's also maybe talk about uh, some players uh, quickly. Um, any any names that spring to mind uh, who are key to the system? I think the the top one on everyone's minds will probably be 
Dusan Vlaovic. Uh, relatively controversial. I'm not controversial, but dividing opinion, let's say. Uh, what do you, what do you guys yeah, say about him? I actually have a bit of a controversial opinion on him, so I'll just go first. Go and then I have no idea what you guys think. So I think it will be fun. Um, I do feel Vlaovic is overrated. Um, I'll just get it out there. Um, he was linked to a lot of clubs. I mean, Arsenal, I think, was strongly linked before Gabriel Jesus. United was strongly linked before Rasmus Hoyland. Um, and I actually think both clubs got a much better deal. Arsenal with Jesus and us with Hoyland. And in general, Vlaovic, I think... So, I, I'll tell you what I think of him. His best traits are his ball striking. He's a very, very good ball striker. I think even recently before the injury, he had those two goals. I forgot against whom. They're just amazing goals. I mean, he can hit a volley or a half volley better than almost anyone in the world. I'll give him that. Um, he's also decently strong. He is physically, you know, he can he can battle. He can uh, battle with centre-backs, get those aerials down. And he has improved his back-to-goal game. It was a little concerning two years ago. But it's a little better now. You can actually lump it to him and know that he can, you know, take it down and just uh, release someone with a short pass. These are probably where his good traits end. I have a very, very big problem with his movement. Um, I don't think he's a good mover off the ball. He isn't making those runs that, you know, some runs from strikers literally create moves. You know, like if you think about the Cavani's of the world, or even Rasmus Hoyland. That's why I preferred Hoyland and was happy we got him. Uh, so many of these strikers, they actually create moves based on their movement, their channel runs, their runs between the centre-backs, their blindside runs, their curved runs. And Lavich doesn't have those, have much of those. He actually prefers receiving, uh, you know, the ball to his feet. He's not very good on the move. And I think that's a huge, huge limitation. Um... And that's also the reason why he doesn't get too many high-quality chances. You know, if you see his XG per 90 or his shot quality, which is basically XG per shot taken, they're not that great. But it's just that his really good ball striking helps him overperform on the bit of XG that he gets. But at the highest level for top clubs, for top strikers, you need to have some mechanism where you're constantly getting at the end of good chances through your movement. And I think he lacks that. And why I think it's a concern in Juventus system is because a lot of times when they are clueless in the final third, a lot of times when they're just searching around, when the wingbacks or midfielders are just lumping balls, that lack of movement is a deterrent to the system. Because as we just said, Allegri isn't really the kind of guy who parks high up and is in the final third very often. So they don't get too many chances. So the few times they do, they need that they need that magic and it doesn't have to be something great it can just be a really good run a good far post run and then someone picks it up because they had quadrado and di maria in really good spaces last year and multiple times lavish wouldn't make that good run for them to find him with a nice cross or a pass even even this year they have their wing backs they have miretti rabio is also an underrated final ball passer Say all you, what you want about Rabio in deeper areas, but in advanced areas, he's very good. He can crash the box, box himself. He can find that final pass. If Lavich made those runs, Rabio could get into good areas behind him. You know, So, those are the limitations with Lavich. And I do think that's one reason why Allegri is also not able to create much in the final third. And that's one reason why, unless he really drastically improves on these, I don't think Lavich will be a good fit for a top player. Because the way I see it going is, if Juventus have more financial problems and Vlaovic is okay-ish, they might sell him for a good fee to a top club. And then I think these will be limitations for him. Um, Alex, what do you think about Vlaovic? I haven't studied him as in-depth as you, but I guess my instinct would be to push back on the idea of him playing well for a top club. I th- just based on what he did at Fiorentina, I think like he'd be better suited to a team that dominates possession and plays a bit more traditionally like a top club would. Whereas Juventus, obviously, he's a bit more starved of quality chances. Uh, like the the Fiorentina numbers, even take away penalty goals, it was like uh, fifteen non penalty goals in the twenty twenty one season, and then twelve non penalty goals in the first half of twenty one twenty two before he moved Juventus. That was zero point nine non penalty goals a game, 
and as I said, he outperforms XG every single time he shoots, basically. So I don't know. I think, mate, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. I feel like he'd suit better a top team because he, he's had such a notable drop now he's moved to a team that plays a more archaic style. I would uh, I would side with Varun on this. Um, I think you you do make a good point about you know if there's a more possession dominant team which will naturally create better chances then that's good for him. But I do think in a top possession dominant team like for example uh, take Arsenal I don't think he can do the Gabriel Jesus role because uh, I don't think he can drop off and link up and do all of that. I agree with that. Yeah, so I think that would limit the team and their attack. And that would limit the number of chances he gets. Uh, and therefore, you know, a, a different striker like a Jesus would be better for one of those teams. Uh, Alex, unless you have something to add, let's move on to your next point about other stuff. Yes, I just wanted to, while we're talking about players, um, kind of rounding the section off, I guess, I wanted to mention some players that I think Allegri has subtly improved against the odds. I think Weston McKennie's been solid this season as a right wing back. Um, now, it's up to you guys to decide whether that's got a lot to do with Allegri or the fact that McKennie not playing well at Juventus was punished with a loan to Leeds and had such a bad time that he never wants to go on loan ever again in his life and how he must play well to stay at Juventus. I think it's more of that. But McKenney's career seems to be resurrected from the dead. Uh, Danilo um, transitioned really nicely and took a left centre-back last season and praised Allegri a lot for that. I think he became the captain of Juventus as well. So he developed nicely and he's obviously an older player, just as Arcadius Milik is. When he arrived, um, shout out Calcio Danny on Twitter uh, of the... a seriously good podcast. The seriously good podcast. I always tell him I hate the name, despite the podcast being amazing. Um, when Milik joined, he was slating the move, and I said Milik's actually really good. And um, he hasn't had like huge goal scoring numbers, but it just works so well for this Juventus team, like winning the aerial duels and creating good chances for himself. I think he has yeah, his the movement move. is great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's literally about. So I think he has the movement that Vlavic lacks. And uh, on the other flip side of it as well, I think. Moise again, his career after Everton um, was on the precipice of collapsing. I think he did well at PSG. And upon returning to Juventus, he's been utilised again as more like a, a target man under Allegri. I think he's done better for it. Whenever I watch Moise Keane, I feel like he's causing the opposition defence pro- uh, problems. And yeah, while he's not scored or assisted this season, I think he's become a useful player under Allegri. So it's worth making that point that the peripheral players... Um, are doing well under him. And I, I've just realised, well, we're talking about players and none of us have mentioned Chiesa, who is, I think, you know, maybe that's less to do with Allegri, more to do with him being amazing. But, um, wow, what a player Chiesa is. That's my only sentence on that. And I think that mostly rounds us off, uh, unless someone has anything more to add. Otherwise, we can get into our predictions. Uh, let us do the usual thing with time constraints for these. Uh, I'm going to say... 45 seconds. Who wants to go first to predict what Juventus will do this season between the league and the cup? Because that's all they have. Go on, Okay. Uh, I think Juventus will challenge for the league and they will get to the cup final. Uh, they've only lost one game this season in all competitions. That was against Asuolo, 4-2. Okay, not very good. But they've also beaten Lazio in that time. They ground out the most boring game of all time against Atalanta. And I think as long as they keep picking up these annoying points, uh, they'll finish very high. And also, Juventus still have, I think, the the aura of a winning mentality in Syria. Um, I back them to win a cup. So I don't even think that's 30 seconds. Amazing stuff. But you didn't double down on your prediction in Syria. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a bit nervous on it. I've said, I, I back <laughs> them to win the league. Um, I don't want to say concretely, um, because especially since we just did an Inter and Milan podcast. Yeah, but you said it in that episode. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, they'll win the league. Look, very good. I'll clip that up and save that for future reference. My turn now. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, like you guys said, Juventus third in the league behind the two Milan clubs. Everyone else is not very good, as you guys said. So that's the problem. In the cup, I'm going to say it's between them and Inter. So whenever those two meet, I will back Inter to win. So that either might be the final or the semi-final, most probably. Or, you know, hopefully not the quarterfinal for both of those clubs. But yeah, I'm going to say they finished behind Inter in the cup. 
uh, if that makes sense. And bonus prediction, I think at the end of the season, Alex is either going to look like an absolute genius or a complete fool, but there's no in between for him. Because he predicted Juventus to win the league preseason and Milan to finish out of top four. Now, if both of those things happen, he's an absolute genius. But if they don't happen, he's a bit of a fool. Thoughts, Alex? I think, I think, I think, I think I maybe I'm a special one. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Don't disagree. Okay, I think that's that's mostly done. Uh, the, the point I alluded to way earlier, which I think is good to round off now, is that ultimately... Uh, how we see Juventus is heavily influenced by how we see football and how we think it should be played. I think Varun, for one, definitely thinks that there's a certain way to play games uh, where you look to control uh, as much of the match as you can, which is often through keeping possession. That's why I don't think he likes Juventus. Um, Alex, I think, appreciates uh, the ability to grind out results and win at all costs almost, right? So I think that's why he better appreciates what Allegri is doing. Uh, as always, you know, there's no right or wrong uh, in this one. But yeah, I guess, you know, ultimately it boils down to what is football about. And if it's if it's about having fun and playing beautiful football and, you know, entertaining everyone, then you and us are not good. But if it is about winning stuff, you know, getting results, winning trophies, which ultimately uh, is, is important because it gives you money and, and those things which happen to be important in our world, then you are doing a uh, Allegri especially is doing a pretty good job with what he has. So I think that's that's a, a, a brief conclusion of basically what this discussion was about. Uh, unless you gentlemen have any more valuable insights, uh, I think we can round it off. Uh, so as always, thank you very much for listening. You can find all of us on Twitter. Uh, Alex is at EuroExpert underscore. Uh, Varun is at, runs the at Devil's DNA account. I'm at Shailat Neil which is my name inverted. And you can find uh, all of the Get Football accounts if you go to at GetFootballEU, where all of the league-specific accounts are li- or the, the country-specific accounts are linked in the bio, which includes the Get Italian Football account, where obviously we cover Italian football and Juventus, among others. Uh, but yeah, do keep a lookout on all our outlets uh, for you know coverage of football around the world, really, uh, with you know, news pieces, analysis, videos, all sorts of stuff from some of the best uh, best analysts out there. Uh, you can find a link to all of that in, in your notes or description uh, of this episode as well, depending on where you're listening. So take a look there. And if your app allows it, please do rate the podcast uh, and give us a good review because you know, I, th- I think we had fun and we were uh, insightful. Uh, and if, if you did think so too, then feel free to share on social media as well, uh, whichever site that is not burning down right now would be nice. Right, Uh, I think that's all of us done. So thanks guys for joining us and thank you for listening. Uh, Take care. Bye-bye.